You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. My name's Zach, and I'm a pastor here at New Hope. And uh, we've been walking through a series on 1 John called Live in the Light. And uh, it's kind of a difficult, difficult book. <laughs> um, it's all about the two ways a person can live. You can either be living in the light or you're living in the darkness, right? And John is giving us all sorts of ways of measuring that, okay? Because he's saying it's very important that if you're a Christian, you live in the light. Because if you say you're a Christian, you live in the dark, he says you're a liar. We don't want to be liars. But that's tough because we all fall short. And uh, as convicting as all this stuff is and as difficult as it is to talk about, I wish I could tell you that it was going to get a little easier today but I'm going to have to be the bearer of bad news. We're diving into 1 John 2, 15 through 17, where he says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Can we get that middle slide up one more time, Sam? For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. If you read the NIV, it says lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I've heard it condensed as simply as greed, lust, pride. Greed, lust, pride. What's this passage all about? John's asking us a very simple question. What do you love? Where does your love lie? Because what you love will help you indicate if you're walking in light or walking in darkness. And so he's giving us a test here. He's saying, well, measure it. Are you greedy? Do you keep buying bigger houses? Do you need a bigger house? Do you need a better car? Do you need more cars? Do you need a better job so you can make more money? Do you need that next iPhone? Because guess what? There's another one coming out tomorrow. Right? It's always more. We always need more. But as soon as we get what we think we need, well, actually, I think I need that too. You know, it's never enough. We just keep pushing the envelope. There's always some other thing. Is that you? Or do you stop and look around and go, you know, those little birds flying around, like they don't seem to worry. They eat. They're taken care of. They're good. They've got shelter when they need it. When you look at these little flowers in the field, what do you see? They're clothed. They're beautifully clothed. They've got all the nutrients they need. They've got sunlight and water they're taken care of. God takes care of these little insignificant things. And how much more important are you? Will he take care of you? That's what Jesus is asking. What about lust? 
when you see something you shouldn't see, and you look a little too long, right? Immediately, I think off the top of our heads, we're like, well, yeah, like things like pornography and stuff, that's lust. But it's more than that. It's anything you give your desire to, anything you hand yourself over to, that you let it take your thoughts captive, right? I could see something I shouldn't see and walk away from it. I'll just glimpse for a second. But do I lock it in up here? Am I, am I honed in on it? Am I thinking about it? I mean, it could be money, it could be sex, it could be power, it could be whatever. But am I locked in on things that I really shouldn't be spending all my time thinking about? Or am I setting my, my sights on higher things, on the things above, on the things of God, like love and self-discipline and forgiveness and mercy and kindness and, and grace and compassion and self-sacrifice? Beautiful things. Am I setting my sights on those things? where my, my thoughts should be. What about pride? Where does your pride lie? Are you proud of yourself? Do you find glory in yourself? Do you find glory in the things that you've achieved, the things you've earned, the stuff you've bought, the things you've accumulated? What, what do you find glory in? Is it you? Is it your stuff? Or do you step back and look at a perfect God? And humble yourself before him and recognize, I'm nothing compared to him. He's perfect. Any goodness in me comes from him. I, I'm nothing on my own. Only glory be to God, right? Only God is worthy of all pride and glory because he, he is perfect. He's capable of having those things and we're not. I think about these things. These are, these are the things Satan tempts us with. And then I think back to Jesus in the wilderness. He just, just got baptized. He's getting ready to go start his, uh, his ministry. And he goes and he fasts for 40 days. I don't know about you, but I, I fast for a day and I'm like on my hands and knees crawling to the kitchen trying to find like a brick of ramen or something I can chew on. You know, like I'm hungry. I want food after a day. Jesus is gone 40 days. And the devil shows up and he says, hey man, you look pretty hungry. It's like, why don't you take those rocks and turn them into bread? And you can eat. Tell you what, why don't you prove to everybody just how much God loves you? Why don't you jump from the top of this temple and he's going to send down angels and they're going to grab you and you'll be fine. And he shows them all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor and he says, do you want this? You want this? You don't have to go to that cross. Do you want this? You can have this. Just... Get down and worship me, and it's yours. You can have everything. That stupid snake has been doing the same thing forever. He doesn't have any new plays. He's been playing by the same playbook forever. He doesn't have anything new. He doesn't have anything cool or, oh, to catch your eye. It's always the same thing, and it works. Not on Jesus, spoiler alert, he, uh, he's okay. He, he, he didn't give in. But man, the rest of us do. Look at Ukraine and Russia. Look what's going on over there right now. Vladimir Putin. Look at that wicked, heartless man. 
He's causing all this death. He's causing the whole world to be afraid. Because we don't know. I mean, we could go into nuclear fallout tomorrow. He's that kind of guy. Right? Why though? Why? Well, lust, greed, and pride. He wants more. He wants more stuff. I want more land. I want more power. I want more fame. I want more. And that's what he's given his desire over to. That's what he's given his heart to. He wants that, so he's seeking that. And now he's going to have that. And why? All in the name of pride. Because he wants to be the best. He wants Russia to be the best. What's a world without Russia? What a sick, sick man. And you know what? We're just like him. Same stuff. Same root. Same root of the sin. Maybe ours hasn't gone as far, right? It's very easy to look at him and make him into something other. I could never be that. I could never do that. He's got an army behind him. He's a, he's a terrible man. He just wants more. He just wants more stuff. He wants more notoriety. He wants, he wants to be the best. I'm way different. I just do little sins. They're just little tiny guys. They don't do anything. They're just tiny. They, I, I don't even do them that often. I really, like, I'm a, I'm a good person. Like, even, even the stuff I do do, like, I'm not, I'm not going to continue doing it. I'm going to figure out how to stop doing it. It's just a thing right now that I'm dealing with. It's no big deal. But that seed that planted that temptation in a man like Vladimir Putin's heart is the exact same seed that plants the temptation in our heart. Right? Lust, greed, pride. It's the core of every sin. It all comes back to those. Just a small, tiny, insignificant sin. And the thing is, we can look at it and think it's going to stay that way, but it doesn't. It grows. And eventually, sin can become something like what's happening right now in our world with men like Vladimir Putin, with Russia. That this tiny little insignificant thing becomes death, and it could be death to everybody. James talks about that. James 1, 13 through 15, he says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. James is playing with our emotions here because what this immediately does is it brings to mind the most beautiful thing in existence, love. What better way of showing love on this earth than between a husband and a wife? Two people come together, a man and a woman, and they want to become one flesh. So they get married, and then they make love. And the woman becomes pregnant, and that tiny little seed of that baby is now inside of her womb, and it's going to grow. And over time, they can't wait. They can't wait for that baby to be born into the world. And at the end of nine months, that baby is fully grown and it's ready to be birthed into this world. And so the woman goes and she, she goes through all this pain through labor and she, she brings this baby out. And then the, the, the mom and dad can hold this baby in their hands. And it's pure, true, good life. 
It is a perfect image of life, and it's just been brought into this world through love. And James is saying, temptation's not that. When you give yourself over to temptation, it's like you just got out your phone, you downloaded Tinder, you swiped her out a few times and thought, they'll do, they'll do, they'll do. And then you're like, hey, you want to meet up? It's just a quick transactional thing. No love, no nothing, no emotions. It's just something. It's just a hookup. Don't worry about it. So you do it. Then you find out you're pregnant. And that whole time, you're going to be riddled with shame and guilt and confusion and fear because that's what sin does. And then at the end of nine months, when you're finally ready for that baby to be born, there is no baby. It's just death. There's no life. Because that's what sin does. It starts as this small, insignificant thing, but by the time it's full grown and it's ready to be birthed into the world, all you have is death. And that's what's happening here. That's the reason why when we read Scripture and we look into the Garden of Eden, it's just a little garden snake. It's nothing. And it tempts Eve. And by the time we hit the book of Revelation, he is a full-grown dragon with multiple horns, multiple heads. This monster of a thing has evolved and grown in the hearts of man and in this world. And that's just like our sin. Think about it. All Eve did was eat a little apple. But she was told not to, and so it was sin. And here we are. What are we going to love? We're faced with that question by John. What are we going to love? What do you love? What are you going to choose to love? I was listening to Paul Washer. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a great pastor. Uh, really great sermons. Um, and I'm going to steal a little snippet of something he said. I can't quote it because I'm going to mess around with it a little bit, talk about it in a little different way. But he basically says this. He says, what are you instilling in the people you love? So go sit down and write down every time you talk to your kids about how important their extracurricular activities are. Every time you've driven them to something and told them, well, you have to get really good at this because if you don't get good at this, you're not going to get a scholarship. And you've got to get that scholarship so you can go to a good school. And then you, when you go to a good school, you can get a good internship and that'll lead to a good job with good pay. And then you can get a good family. You can find somebody to marry, right? And then you'll have good kids and a good house and it'll all be great. You just have to get all this stuff and you have to do all this stuff because that's what's important. You've got to do this. We just love you and we want you to succeed. And he said, and after you've done doing that, go write down every time you set your kids down and said, this is the gospel. This is what God himself did for all of humanity. This is who God is. This is what scripture says God is like. This is what he says his heart's like. And this is what he believes and what he holds dear. And this is what I want you to care about because I want you to love people and not things. I want you to make relationships and not just try to achieve and be better and better. I want you to give yourself away to other people rather than trying to take he said, when you get done writing those two lists, step back and which one's longer? He says, that matters. It matters because when we instill these things in the people we love, not just our kids, our friends, our family, think about all the conversations you have with people. The vast majority of the things we talk about on a daily basis have nothing to do with Jesus. They should. But when you instill these things in the people you love, 
You're telling them that's what's important. You're telling them this is important. The world is important. The things in this world are important. And John is saying, no. If that's what you're worshiping, you're worshiping a dying God. The God of this world, he's going to pass away soon. He's fading into nothing. And the way it's actually written in the Greek, it makes the idea that something new is coming in and pushing him out. That that devil, the God of this world, he's going to be gone soon. But he also says everything in this world, everything of this world is going to pass away with him. And so are you investing God in the people you love? Or are you investing the world in the people you love? Because if you are, you're leading them down a very dark path. And we're all guilty. And we got to bring it back to center and figure out what is the right way to do this. So if we can come to those grips, right? If we can, if we can look at this book and say, okay, I want to do what's right. I don't want to to, to love the world. I want to love God. I want to love godly things. We got to resist temptation. We got to resist sin. How do we do that? How do I do that? Let's look back at Jesus in the wilderness. What happens? He's hungry. He's starving. It's been 40 days. He hasn't had a thing to eat. Satan comes along and says, hey, why don't you turn those rocks into bread? Just eat. And Jesus says, we don't live on bread alone. We live from every word from the mouth of God. That's what we live on. And Satan says, okay, that's, that's fine. Why don't you just prove to us, though, who you really are? Why don't you prove to us that your God has your back? Jump from the top of this temple. Just jump from it, and he'll catch you. The angels will catch you. And Jesus says, no. He says, I could do that, and he would do that, but you're not to tempt the Lord your God. And Satan says, okay, fine. Look at all of this. You're here for these people. You're here to be the king. You're here because you want to to rule over all of this. Well, I'll give it to you. You don't have to go die. You don't have to go give up your life for these people. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, we are to worship the Lord our God alone. So kick rocks. Get out of here. Get away from me. Do you see what he does? It's scripture. He doesn't say a thing of his own self. It's just scripture. He just quotes scripture at Satan and Satan flees. He leaves him alone. How do we know scripture like that though? How can we resist sin and temptation? We got to know scripture and the only way to know scripture is to eat, sleep, and breathe it. Because the thing is, just like Jesus, Jesus was in the de- desert for 40 days, fasting, gotta be hungry. And when finally he's faced with the temptation of food, what's he say? No, God doesn't want me to do that right now. I'm fasting. Hunger's not at the forefront of his mind. God is at the forefront of his mind. Scripture is so deeply ingrained in Christ because ever since he was a kid, he spent every waking hour learning more about Jesus and teaching more about about God. He is Jesus, I'm sorry. But still, point being, he was so ingrained in Scripture 
that even when he was faced with temptation, even when he was faced with something that wasn't God, he knew it immediately because he was so familiar with who God was. And we can do that. We can do that. There's nothing holding us back from doing that but ourselves. If you want to change your culture, if you want to change the world around you, if you want to change the hearts of man, you've got to set your heart on God. It starts with you. It doesn't start with the, the right organization or the right political leaders or the right movement. It starts with you. Putting your heart on the things above. Putting your heart on God. Set your hearts on God. I'm really sorry that I've always got to be that guy. <laughs> that, uh, that every time I get up here, I've got some fire and brimstone to bring along with me. I know. I hate it. I don't hate it. Um, but, but it is hard talking about that stuff all the time. But the reason I do it is because I need to hear it. I need to hear it because every single day I fall down and I stand back up and I dust myself off and I go back to Jesus and go, okay, let's try again. I think the Bible says something about like a righteous man falls down seven times and stands up seven times. I want to be righteous. I want to be good. I'm going to keep screwing up, but I'm going to keep standing up. If I have to carry that burden, when I get the chance to come up here and talk for 20 minutes, you better believe you're going to get a little bit of that burden too. This stuff is important. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. All right? I mean, I don't think the world's ending tomorrow, but nothing's stopping Russia from nuking us, wiping us off the face of the earth that we don't exist tomorrow. We could be gone tomorrow. And I'm not trying to scare you. That's just the world. That's just the way it is. So what's your heart set on right now? Is it set on the world or is it set on Christ? I truly believe when you look through the history of time, every significant change for the better in the history of time was God's people. It was always led by thought provided by God to his people. And maybe the people that set things into motion weren't believers, but they were influenced by believers. Because all things good come from God and God partners with man. If you look at the last 2,000 years, it's been the Christian church. We've made all the big moves in the world. It's God's people. It's God partnering with people and making things happen. But when I look at the last few decades, maybe 100 years, Christianity has dropped the ball. And it's evident because we've just handed over our culture and our society and our beliefs to secular worldviews and things that are not of God. And what I'm saying is, we're living on borrowed time. And I believe the church is still powerful and God is still working through his people. But it takes little bitty seeds, little bitty people like you and me to go start to love. Because love, when it's full, when it's full grown, makes life. We want to breathe life into this culture. We want to breathe life into this world. And so what I'm asking is that you would be open to come alongside me and pick me up when I need it. Encourage me. Encourage the people around you. Be ready to do that. But also be ready for me to come to you and say, hey, how's that sin coming? How's that thing you've been working on? 
I know we talked about it. And catch that, we have to talk about it. Be ready for people to come alongside you and lift you up. Look around this room. There are people all around you that believe like you, that love Jesus and want to see you benefit, want to see you do well, want to see me do well. And we've got to come together and lift each other up because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's people up the road all around this town. I can't tell you how many churches there are around here. And they all think differently. They've all got weird little things that they see differently on. But at the core, 90% of them, they're all brothers and sisters in Christ. They believe like you and me. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He's a triune being, that salvation comes from God alone, and it's through belief in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. And if we come alongside them, nothing could ever stop us. We got to make big moves. The world's falling apart, and if we don't want to see that, it starts with you and me. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.